Coaches. Blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, ay. blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, yeah. blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, Hey guys, welcome into the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. This is your host, Steve Pintado, and with me as always is my main man, Jabron Curtis. What's going on, Jibs? Uh, prepping for the fantasy season, you know what it is. I'm trying to make a comeback at some championships, starting with this episode. Absolutely. How about you? Uh, good, man, you know, just another day, another work life, and in the middle of a crisis and no football yet, um, you know, as best you can be. In summertime, you know, we live by the beach, so... We can enjoy it as best as we can, but no, we're here talking football. If you haven't been listening over the last couple of weeks now, we're getting, really getting into the redraft season, guys. We did sleepers. We've done busts back-to-back weeks now. We're now doing some comeback players. We're going to be talking about that today. we got some news. Um, before we get into that today, uh, we do have a really fun guest on, on the show, Kyle August from the Fantasy Football Smackdown. What's going on, man? Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's just, uh, I'm looking forward to talking some football with you guys. I've definitely also made that shift a little bit, kind of moving from Dynasty to some evergreen content, trying to help people out, get set up, you know, commissioner advice, league league ideas, stuff like that. But definitely, you know, putting that focus towards 2020, man, because the season's going to be here before we know it. But I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys today. Yeah, absolutely. That's I said, I've been listening to your, guy, your show for quite a while, and I figured I got to get you on the show. This guy knows what he's talking about, everyone who's listening today. Yeah. Uh, how to get you guys on and this is a good episode so i'm really glad to see get you on here today yeah absolutely yeah we were did the uh did the fancy football fellas for four years there with my co-host seth and it was a fun ride man but uh, he just had to take a step back because this thing as you guys know it, it is a grind you gotta you gotta put the time in for it to be you know the product that you want it to be and just felt like it was you know we came we did that it was good stuff but uh yeah the fancy football smackdown man it's been a fun ride just doing it by myself having some great guests um, just have keep it a little bit more loose, but yeah, man, turning it up here soon as we get closer and closer to uh, September. That's awesome, and I'll let it, let all of our listeners know where they can like find you out on Twitter and, and everything else for the SmackDown. Sure, so you can follow the show handle at FF SmackDown Pod on Twitter. That's the that's a new handle, so uh, just put some stuff up there. Trying to get feedback from you guys, we do some fun stuff each week on the podcast. We're looking for like your guys' rankings on certain things. Sometimes it's players, sometimes it's just you know random stuff. Uh, but you can follow me uh, individually at Kyle FF Fellas. Haven't got around to changing that Twitter handle yet. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, I uh, do that podcast once a week. I jump on pretty much any opportunity I can get to jump on a show. I mean, I, I love talking fantasy and meeting new people. So uh, like this week, I think I'm on two or three other shows, which is a lot of fun. And then um, writing right now for uh, Red Shirts Fantasy Football and uh, for Fantasy Pros a couple times a month, too. So keeps me busy and uh, looking forward to ramping up this podcast game, too. So if you want to check me out, hit me up anytime. Love just chatting with, with people and, and talking fantasy. That's awesome. That's really I awesome. Love it. <laughs> um, tell me, uh, you, know, you know, during this whole quarantine thing, I, me, myself, at least, I don't know about Jibs per se, but have you found yourself doing more fantasy football leagues this coming year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, every year it's always like, Man, like, because you get through waivers, we start, you know, I love setting lineups. Like, that's not a problem. It's just usually like waivers. You don't want something to sneak through on you. So, like, when you're doing waivers, like on Monday nights or whatever, Tuesday or what have you, 
then it's like, man, why do I have 20 freaking leagues? Right. <laughs> but, like, but then you get into the off season and it's like, and you're, you're fresh off it. So you're like, man, do, do I cut one here? Do, do I do this one again? Um, and then it never fails. I just keep adding. So I've done, I've done uh, four startup dynasty drafts this off season. There was definitely a few leagues that we probably wouldn't have added, but like I knew a good group of people and it was like, Hey, we got nothing else going on. So let's do this. And, um, you know, I, no regrets by, you know, definitely it, it's been fun. Uh, everything is we try to keep it, you know, mix it up a little bit, keep it different. So it's been good. So yeah, I added some leagues this year. So I'm sure I'll be upwards over 20 this season, but, uh, is what it is, man. I just love drafting. So I'll, I'll take the little bit of the waiver pain, uh, with, uh, <laughs> the fun of drafting teams. I told you, James. Yeah, I've been trying to Steve off Steve. You. He keeps inviting me and inviting me to more. And I'm just like, yo, chill. Like, it's, <laughs> it's May. Like, come on. Like, but, like, yeah, I, I gotten a couple more than I wanted to already. But, hey, like, this is a thrill of fantasy and then dynasty specifically. But, hey, I wanted to get more involved in that. And, like, I'm getting my, uh, I'm going to get, like, dipped in on that one, especially, like, Superplex, Titan Premium, and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah, I've, I'm. I'm. I think I added like seven new dynasty startups this year. <laughs> People on my team is like, let's do another one, guys. I'm like, oh, please leave me alone. Like, I can't do anymore. I really don't want to, even though I'm doing this new dynasty league because there's some players out there I really want. And I don't want to have to go out and trade big for them. I'm not gonna say it today on the show because they may listen to this. So uh, there's some players out there I really want, and if I could do a new startup dynasty and get them in the draft and not have to spend big on them, I'm really looking forward to it. So. And a quick message from our sponsor, Podgoat. Podgoat is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgoat. The Fantasy Coaches recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and become a member and immediately connect with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Podgo, guys, take advantage of a great opportunity today with Podgo. But the one big thing that happened today, as we all know, within the last couple hours now, was Derrick Henry just signed his four-year, $50 million contract extension, 25.5 guaranteed. Uh, what do you guys make of this? And I'm sure a lot of Dynasty owners are really happy. They don't have to worry about Derrick Henry after this season. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, for Dynasty owners, for sure, I mean, it, you feel good. He's going to be in a system that's going to focus on him. You don't have to worry about him potentially playing somewhere else at some point because uh, that muddies the water. So the consistency of him being in Tennessee, the fact that they've built this offense around him, uh, you got to feel good about that stability. You know, there's so many guys in contract years at the running back position. Uh, you know, I think that when you look at the 2021 running back landscape, it's going to look very different. Um, but knowing that Derrick Henry is locked up, you got to feel good about that. So, uh, yeah, for Henry himself, you know, good on him getting that money, running backs, any opportunity you can to, to get their piece, you got to do it. For dynasty owners, you got to feel good about that. You know, the Darrington Evans thing, you know, I, I think he's still somebody that, you know, dynasty owners, they didn't have to spend high draft capital on him anyway, but there was always that little glimpse that maybe he would get more of a piece of the pie. Um, uh, you know, those touches, maybe if Henry ever moved on, but I still think there's a role for him. You know, we know what Henry is. He's a, he's a ground and pound guy, not heavily involved in the passing game. So overall, I, I think this is positive all the way around. It does. It hurts Evans, maybe just based off of that, you know, what we were all hoping for if you took him in, you know, third round of rookie drafts or something like that. But overall, you got to love the stability of one of the top backs in the league. Um, and, and, and also him getting paid. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I love it too. He got his money. He got twenty five million out of fifty million. 
toll on the contract. But Derrick Henry is that offense. You saw how much he they depended and leaned on him on the playoff run to the AFC Championship game. So like he makes that Tennessee t- Tennessee team better. He makes Ryan Tannehill better. You saw how efficient he was last year as well. The emergence of AJ Brown. You can see like Jonah Smith get better, but. We also could also take a uh, negative side, too. Like, maybe if Derrick Henry's still there getting his 300-plus carries a season, maybe that takes a little chunk out of, like, their potential breakout. Or, like, they already broke out, but, like, maybe they won't be, like, superstars in the fantasy realm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good for Derrick Henry. Every NFL player, especially him who's worked so hard as he has, deserves to get a big raise like that. I'm not really a big fan of the Titans assigning for four, you know the four years, you know fifty million. I don't see it. I would rather have them played it on the franchise tag, see what happens this coming season, see what this team develops next year. I mean, they could end up not being very good, and now they have a you know a three year whatever the rest of the contract for the following three years is at that point on on the deal, and it's just. I just don't think it makes sense for that. Obviously, fantasy, you're happy with the dynasty of Derrick Henry now because you don't have to worry about it. I mean, he's there for probably at least three years, maybe four. Uh, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You're happy that you don't have to worry about him moving on to another team and not being the guy you draft him as. As far as Derrickson Evans, uh, you know, unfortunately it is what it is, but he is a change-of-pace kind of back, so he will probably some, see some kind of work because there's not too much talent on this offense especially after outside of A.J. Brown and Joe New Smith. Uh, so I guess you want to count Corey Davis a little bit too there. But uh, Darrington Evans, at least, uh, I think he will have some kind of role on this team. Maybe not as much in year one, but he could be someone that grows into a pretty strong, like, you know, James White kind of situation as, you know, they move further along in his development. So uh, good for Derrick Henry. Good, Glad for you to get your money. You worked hard last year. You won people fantasy championships. So congratulations on that. And one last thing on the news, uh, again, a little bit of a nail-biter. Uh, Kelvin Harmon, uh, the Redskins' second-year wide receiver, tore his ACL out for the 2020 season. It's pretty unfortunate. Um, you know, with this uh, fortunate happening, Kyle, do you see any you know positive trend in any other Redskins player now? Steve Sims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sims is definitely the guy that you know will benefit the most from this. I took a look at their depth chart because they were already pretty poor across the board. I took Dwayne Haskins was, for me, one of my post-NFL draft losers just based off the fact that they didn't really do anything to help him out. They didn't do anything in free agency either. They signed Cody Latimer. They drafted uh, Gandy Golden in the fourth round. Uh, that was really the only item of note you know they added to this passing game. So I, I think, you know, McLaurin's going to be the absolute, you know, stud there as far as getting a ton of targets. Sims now, I think, becomes a little bit more safer as a, you know, a deep sleeper. Uh, I liked Harmon a little bit better than Sims, you know, going in just because I thought that there might be a little bit more upside. But when you look at these guys, they don't, Latimer's in his, I think, seventh or eighth season, he has 70 catches. Nobody else in this team has more than 35 receptions um, besides Terry McLaurin. So, Haskins, I think his upside is is a little bit more limited just with one less body there. Maybe they go out and sign a veteran, which this team I think could use. I mean, they're not going anywhere this season, but just getting a a veteran player in that room, you want to see them put stack some guys around Haskins, give him a true shot. But I was was disappointed to see him go down so early, but uh, I'll just see how this one plays out, I guess. Kyle, what would you pay for um, Steve Sims in the Dynasty League to acquire him on your team? 
Yeah. I mean, he, I've seen him. There were a couple leagues that had waivers turned off. Like, and I'm in a couple leagues that were, were pretty deep still. Um, I think 25 man rosters, they were expanded to 30. Uh, they didn't, we'd open free agency and Sims was, it just happened to be out there in a couple of them. Uh, weirdly enough. I mean, he went for you know, some pretty decent fab money, but I don't, I would pay, I would pay a third rounder and feel okay about that. But I don't know if I'm really moving up in, you know, into that second round level, even if I'm a contender and I know it's going to be late just because I really could see them just add adding another piece here within the next year. Um, I think Sims is definitely interesting. I w- he's a guy that I wouldn't mind having on my team. Uh, he was probably cheap to acquire, but I'd still kick a third for him, but that would probably be my cap. I like that analysis. Here, here first, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree on. Yeah, I, I wouldn't spend too much on him. Third rounder seems pretty. It's a pretty safe bet there at that point because you really want to see what happens with this guy. I mean, he showed that small uh-huh. glimpse, but I mean, he's still raw as a receiver a little bit there. He's you know he was their returning uh, punt returning kick returner for most of the season. So uh, hopefully he can kind of step up. I liked him. I I know I picked up him on a couple dynasty leagues. Uh, it basically it's just telling you Terry McLaurin's going to see probably 125 targets in this offense at least or more possibly because again there's not too many targets to go around I mean the tight ends might get a little bit of a boost I know that's been a little bit of a hype with Jeremy Sprinkle and Logan Thomas whoever wins that job might see some more targets actually uh, Gandy Golden actually might become a more of a round 16 kind of pickup and see what kind of happens with them type of player now uh, maybe a guy like Antonio Gibson, guys. A lot of people seem to be high on him. I know he has a passing ability to his game. He might see a little bit more work in the passing game if that if that's the case. But it really comes down to Haskins and if he can kind of make take that next step. And unfortunately, with one less talented wide receiver now, we'll see what happens. But the Redskins do have a bright future at some point here, and hopefully they bring maybe a veteran in just to kind of counter-react with all these rookies and young players they have on the team. So. Mm-hmm. Fortunate to see a player go down before the season there, so but hopefully he comes back and healthy for twenty twenty one guys. So as we're talking about, you know, injured players or maybe just players who had a bad year, we're talking about comeback players this week, guys. Players who, you know, either had a down season or was injured at some point this year and didn't really perform to the level you might have drafted them at. And we have about about ten guys we're going to discuss today. And we're going to start with the first one, and that's Alvin Kamara. He finished outside the top ten uh, this this past season um, in fan oh, 2019 in fantasy football. Had missed a couple games due to injury, um, but he's coming back and he should be healthy. And uh, Kyle, I'll let you go first on this. Uh, Alvin Kamara, no like no shot of not getting back to a top five performance. Yeah, I actually like Kamara a lot. I think what we saw from last year. Uh, he was still, he had 81 catches exactly on the nose for the third time in his three seasons, which is kind of crazy. Uh, his carries were still right around 12 a game, which is about what you're going to get with Kamara. He's, you know, he's not going to be a two, even a 200 carry or two, you know, 220 carry guy. I mean, they work in uh, him into the offense in different ways. So he's not your traditional running back. We know that by now. He's been in a league long enough. Obviously, his finishing position at the end of the year was really due to his touchdown regression. He went from 18 touchdowns the year before, 14 on the ground, four in the air, to just six total. Um, and and I believe all but one of those rushing touchdowns came before week uh, 15 or week 16. So Kamara was definitely just a guy that I, the yardage, you know, was, was still there, was still good enough for him to be, you know, every week starter for you. Obviously, you're looking for touchdowns from your elite running backs that you spent first round picks on. And unfortunately, those just just never showed up. But 
I think when you're looking at any running back, you know, when they're that heavily involved in the passing game, that's a pretty safe floor there for, for the most part, 18 touchdowns is always, you know, just flashes, you know, negative regression numbers, but to go all the way down to six, though, I think he's going to balance out somewhere in between. So I actually have Kamara as my running back four on the season um, in redraft leagues. If it's standard scoring, I think, uh, Henry might get a little bump over him, but Kamara just sees so many receptions. I don't think there's any reason not to to take him there. So he's definitely in a tier behind, you know, the elites, you know, CMC, Zeke, and Barkley, whatever order you want to put them in. But then Kamara sits right there in that next tier for me at number four overall. So still think this offense is going to roll with Drew Brees uh, being there. I think this offense is going to be continuing to put up points, and Kamara will see more than just his six touchdowns that he saw in 2019. So definitely a bounce back candidate for me. Yeah, well said. Um, but yeah, Camaro's also like hampered with uh, knee and ankle issues last year too. So he may get a little, he may be feeling a little bit healthy. We do see like some uh, footage of him in uh, like in rehab, just doing more and more and more. So I think he'll be a great candidate. Like as Kyle said, like I agree with him. I, he's my running back for this year behind those three. But. The Saints offense is explosive. He does. He has a safe floor. He's like 700 yard rusher. He's basically like a 600 yard catcher, and he catches 81 balls a year. So you can't really argue with that. And especially if you're thinking about the touchdown boost, if he gets 10 touchdowns total, like I'll take the extra four. And you see what he does on a weekly basis. He give you basically double digits on the fly, and then sprinkle in like a 20 point ppr game every now and then is a good candidate to be a elite running back yeah i completely agree with you guys on that i mean alvin kamara is definitely my fourth ranked running back i honestly guys if you're thinking about taking him even at number two honestly i don't think it would be that crazy i know saquon and zeke are elite studs and obviously i think kamara is a somewhat of a tier below these guys but again this is a guy who's so consistent i mean 81 receptions, three straight seasons, like Kyle just said. That's that's so impressive, I and mean, you can't hope the fact that he's going to probably do it again. He missed two games this season, and he was hurt half the year. Uh, this offense is probably going to run through the run game. Drew Brees is, again, another year older. They're going to have to try to save his arm just a little bit more so he make the playoff run because this could be his last season. I think Kamar could see close to 200 carries this year. I don't see why not. I mean, I know Latavius Murray's there, but when Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara are on the field together – this was Kamara's team. He was the RB1 on this team. But Murray had great games when Kamara wasn't on the field. And again, he'll be used to some extent. But this is Kamara's team. Again, six touchdowns on the year. That's not going to happen. He's probably going to have double-digit touchdowns again. He had 40 red zone opportunities this coming season. And again, he's their number one running back. And he's going to continue to be. He's going to be continuing to use in the run game and the pass game. Again, he's a safe guy. Number four you can take. I think he's might one of the safest guys in the first after probably Chris McCarry after between two and seven. I think he's probably one of the safest guys you could probably get who's going to see good production and probably be a top 10 player in fantasy football this coming season. So Alvin Kamara, you're making a bounce back this year, my friend. And going over to the next group here, this is about three guys here. And we'll kind of talk about them one at a time real quick. Uh, real quick. Um, it's the Steeler core of, you know, the 2018 James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, Big Ben. James Conner we'll talk about first here, you know, Obviously dealt with injuries all season long. Uh, had some decent games. Can't go wrong. He did have some decent games, especially in the passing game. But he obviously was hurt all season and didn't look right as he was in his 2018 form. And he's obviously missed games over the last couple, last two years now due to injuries. So there's some concern with his injuries long term. But uh, Kyle, we'll let you go first. You know, Can James Conner really make that bounce back to his 2018 performance? 
Yeah, I think I think he's going to be closer to that than he was what he, last year. This whole offense goes through Big Ben. I mean, if he's out again, they've done nothing to solidify the backup quarterback position. So if Ben isn't 100% or misses games, then, you know, fantasy owners, we're in trouble. Uh, we've seen that already, and, and these guys behind him aren't, aren't proven enough and or have proved enough that they're not going to be able to sustain this offense. So Connor is a guy, like you said, he's missed time. Uh, he He's missed at least two games every single season of his career. But that second year, 2018, when he took over for Lev Bell, you know, big touchdown numbers, 13 total touchdowns, just under 1,000 yards on the ground. And the thing I love, of course, is, you know, the 71 targets, 55 receptions. Those are, that's what you want. You know, that you need your running back to be involved in the passing game to be considered, you know, uh, a high-end running back starter. So, when you draft Connor, when you drafted Connor last year, unfortunately, it was inside that top 12 more than likely. And so when a guy you know, has a disappointing season, it stings even more. And when you dra- where Connor's going right now, which is kind of more closer towards the back end of the RB2 range, is that I, I think you kind of have that built in as far as him potentially, you know, missing a few games, which, you know, happens to running backs more often than not. You, there's definitely the risk built in as well that Big Ben isn't 100%. But I like Connor quite a bit. I think he's slid to a really nice value for, for 2020. So he's a guy that if I get him as my running back too, obviously I think at that point I've probably drafted a, maybe a wide receiver too, maybe a big-time tight end. Um, and if Connor's my RB1, I don't know if I love that, but if he's my running back too, man, I, I love it because you can get him right now somewhere in that fourth-round range, and uh, and that price is, is just about right for me. So I think Connor, there's definitely some question marks because it's more than just him. It's the players around him. Uh, but I think he's he's going to be set up for success in, in a contract here. He's looking he's looking to prove it and hit that payday. Well, for me, yeah, Connor, he he can be a uh, comeback player here for sure. Like like Kyle said, Big Ben is the engine of the offense, and when they had Duck Hodges and they had Mason Rudolph on the field, they literally relied on the defense to win the games, but. They didn't respect that running game. They knew it was coming. They didn't respect the passing game. So they were just focused on the rushing game. But James Conner made, on the games he did do well last year, he did catch the ball. He did get a couple of receptions and some good yardage on that. So with Big Ben coming back, I just feel like his reception total and his yardage total can increase. And that could give him a viable atlas to get impounded and, um, against the offensive line and defensive line and whatnot. But James Conner is well-priced, and he could be a great RB2 for you, and he could be one of those, I want to say league winner, but he could definitely give you a significant uh, boost to your team if you're getting, if you're not expecting, like, top in talent. Yeah, I'm not the biggest James Conner fan. I, I just don't like the injuries. I'm not a big guy who likes injuries to my running backs. I just, it's a turnoff for me. That's kind of why I don't like Dalvin Cook. Um, he's been injured the back-to-back seasons now. And, yeah, he's had great performances, and hopefully maybe Big Ben being on the field helps him a little bit, maybe takes the pressure off. The defense is just kind of focusing on the run game. I mean, this kid can do a lot of things, especially in the passing game is too, so he does have a PPR-like upside to his game there. And he did have seven touchdowns on the season. I mean, obviously this kid knows how to get touchdowns, but the injuries are a concern for me. I don't know if he can handle a big workload consistently. I mean, Benny Snell did show some worth last year that he probably will see the field. I mean, you draft Anthony McFarlane, and I believe in the third round of your drafts, uh, that means something. And I think they'll use both these guys a lot on the field, and I think to kind of keep Connor from overworking his game a little bit and let him focus on just doing being more efficient on certain carries and having him just go out there and put up 
20 carries a game. I, I just don't see that happening. Again, I guess as an RB2, he's not horrible, but if I could get him as my third RB instead, I'd probably feel a little bit more comfortable about that because I won't have to rely on him as much to stay healthy. Uh, but if you're going to go as your RB2, he has a chance to back, come back for sure, just like the guys were saying, but you got to deal with the risk a little bit that he might get injured and miss a couple games again and maybe have a little bit of a lightened workload than he would have the past two seasons. So just look out for that. And going over to his next teammate, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you know, really bad season for him. I mean, just a down year. Unfortunately, didn't really click with the backup quarterbacks that were in the game. But, I mean, it's kind of hard to when they're backup quarterbacks. But, you know, he just had a bad year. And now we have to see what he's able to do with a big Ben, hopefully, for 16 games and another year without Antonio Brown. Um, again, he's only 23 years old. Uh, is there a real chance that Juju Smith-Schuster people are just kind of just – Shouldn't even worry. Shouldn't even worry about this, and he's gonna bounce back, Kyle. Yeah, I'm giving him a right now. I'm giving him a pass. I wish we would have had at least one season without AB. So just had a sample size where he was, you know, the guy, the alpha in this offense at the receiver position. But I do think he's extremely talented. I mean, what we saw from him even in 2017, 2018. I mean, those are those are big time years. Uh, seven touchdowns in each season. Uh, he did it his rookie year on, on just 58 receptions. I mean, that's he's he's a big time player, and if he has Big Ben with him. I'm feeling confident. So I'm giving him the pass right now. I'm not automatically just elevating him into like, you know, my top seven or eight for, for no reason. But I think as a, again, fourth round ADP is actually going pretty similar to James Conner. I think you can get this guy um, who has some really nice upside, who has shown the talent, the skill and ability and, and get him as your wide receiver too. I, I love it, man. So I actually, if I, out of the two, I prefer Juju scooped him up in a ton of dynasty leagues as well. I mean, I know we're talking 2020, but it was just interesting to me how much his value dipped off after one year uh, in a situation where it was pretty obvious as to why his numbers took a, took a drop. So big Ben injury is still a question mark, but I'm treating Juju like a really solid uh, wide receiver too with upside. Oh, I love me some Juju. Steve knows that. And um, I'm, I'm banking on him. Like, I will definitely, uh, with his given ADP right now, I definitely would just pull up on him to get him as my wide receiver, too, at, like, a low cost. Like, like Kyle said, like, and Steve said, like, he was a phenomenal player the last two years with Big Ben, and so what? The quarterback sucked. But Juju Smith-Schuster is great, and we saw what he's been doing with Big Ben. He seems to be like a Big Ben, like, idol. Like, that's his idol. Like, he just loves the guy. And Juju Smith-Schuster has – he's going to be the number one in the offense. They did improve the offensive weapons with, like, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson who kind of emerged last year, and then obviously they have James Washington. But I still think Big Ben will utilize him well. And he will still get those other players in the offense established. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Juju. I've always been a huge fan. I mean, last year, it didn't go his way, unfortunately. It, it is what it is, guys. And, again, he's 23 years old. He had a bad year, bad quarterback play, and he was injured. You got to give him the scratch on that. You got to give him a shot to come back and be strong. He's got more of a, you could say, experienced wide receivers now, no longer second and rookie, you know, wide receivers in Deontay Johnson and James Washington. He's got their another year in this offense, another year in the NFL. You have Eric Ebron now. You obviously have James Conner in the backfield. Juju has a shot to really bounce back here, guys. And I love his talent. I mean, you have to assume that Big Ben's going to look his way often. And the fact that he's 23 years old, he still has a chance to grow in this offense. And I think this year... In 2020's drafts, this is the year you could take a risk at your wide receiver, too, because the wide receiver position is so deep, I think, in fantasy football this year that if you want to take Juju as your wide receiver, too, 
maybe he doesn't bounce back. But again, this is a deep, you know, 2020, you know, wide receiver class and not class, but draft. You could get somebody else later and still end up being very strong. Or you could get a guy like Juju, take that risk and hope that he turns back into a wide receiver one with that upside. Um, And I think he can. So you have to take that risk with him a little bit. I think he should be able to bounce back pretty fine with Big Ben at the home, at least for 16 games. So. And speaking about everyone's like, well, if Big Ben's here, Big Ben's here, that's the biggest question now everyone seems to say is if Big Ben's back. Uh, so will be Big Ben be back, guys? Is he going to be a guy you want to draft as a possible you know, QB1 this year in, in, in drafts, Kyle? Yeah, for me, I mean, if you're talking one QB leagues, he's, he's in that group of I'm okay with, it, with starting my season with Big Ben. Um, he's not a guy I'm targeting. He's not somebody that I, I'm taking a risk on and reaching on. But if he's definitely in that group of – quarterbacks i like enough to start my season with uh, i believe when i looked at adp and again redraft adp right now is is not always as tight as you might get you know mid-august but he's going as the 16th quarterback off the board right now so i'm i'm good with that you know as far as somebody that's you're you're just waiting on taking towards the end of your draft knowing that there's some really nice upside there you know from what we've seen from him traditionally he has really solid weapons but i'm not targeting him per se it's just somebody that i'm okay starting my season with so uh just fingers crossed overall that you know he he's 100 for the rest of these guys but also starts the season off week one again starting your season he faces the new york giants so it was defense is utterly horrendous so that's if anything you have a top end week one streamer <laughs> love that dfs but Big Ben, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident and he's going to kind of just try to win it this last two years in this league. I feel like he has two years left anyway, but he can play to his 40 if he wants to. But it, in fantasy, like, it is what it is. I think Big Ben could give you about maybe, like, almost close to 4,000 yards, 22-plus touchdowns, and probably, like, around 15 picks. Like, that's not going to win you a championship, but that will get you through the season, most part, until you find yourself a quality guy. Obviously, if you take that late quarterback route, you're going to have an established team with good depth and stuff like that. So, yeah, if he's back there and his pick, or maybe like 130 or something, like, I'll, I'll definitely pull up on Big Ben if I don't really have anyone, get two people in that, like, low range and just ride it out from there. But Big Ben is definitely due to a big season. I think he wants to playing his flag back on that AFC North. But you won't because Lamar Jackson so good. <laughs> <laughs> Big Ben's going to be that guy you draft with your last pick as your backup quarterback, and you realize, wow, he's got a better matchup this week. Let me throw him in week one, and he's going to go off, guys. He's going to go off. Big Ben, I mean, just two years ago, he was fantasy quarterback one. I mean, it's no surprise that, yes, Antonio Brown's not there, but his wide receiver core is really good, and he's got a great tight end now. Well, a good tight end, at least right now. And he's got a good running game as a combined effort. I mean, the elbow looks, you know, hopefully it looks healed. It reports are that he, you know, he's throwing out there. Obviously, you saw the video without the beard now. He's going to get himself back into shape for football. You know, these guys are professional. He knows what he's going to do. I mean, talking about Drew Brees and Tom Brady, you know, being top-tier guys still. I mean, Big Ben is, again, he's been up and down sometimes in his career. But, I mean, he's got probably one of the best teams surrounding him this year he's had in a while in terms of at least depth of talent. And as long as, like I said, as long as that elbow is good, I mean, this guy can throw 4,030 touchdowns this year. I mean, I wouldn't see an issue with that. And you're going to get him in the double digits. He's fallen to around like 12 or 13 right now in drafts. And you're going to be able to grab him, pick him up, pick up a young upside player like Daniel Jones or someone or Gardner Menchu, mix them together and see what happens. And I have no issue with Big Ben coming back. I love the Steelers players. 
little less than James Conner, but I, I like the whole Steelers team to kind of just bounce back on offense after a really poor season. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's go over to the next group of two people. Um, two guys who got shipped out of their two current teams in 2019 to the Houston Texans. The God knows what they're doing, Houston Texans, right now. Uh, David Johnson and Brandon Cooks. And we'll start with David Johnson. Just talking to Jibs about this before in the pre-show there. Uh, David Johnson, you know, obviously he started strong and then got injured and never saw the uh, same effort or consistency in fantasy. And now he's off with a new team, a new chance to be the starter again, uh, mixed in with Duke Johnson. Don't miss up the names, guys. Make sure you pick the right player if you're going to take David Johnson. But uh, can David Johnson, now we've been keep saying this for years now, can David Johnson maybe see a resurgence in Houston? Man... I hope I hope so. I think we, we've. I think the thing that stinks for fans here is like we saw what he could what he could be, and it was just so short lived. And then we've kept getting getting drawn back in and everything. And um, but I think this year, I think what you're looking at again is that I think the price tag, you know, will fit. You know, for David Johnson, he's moving into an offense that can't really can't spend any more resources on the running back position. The year that just seems like they keep adding people on these, you know, giving up draft picks, signing Carlos Hyde or trading for Carlos Hyde last minute, all that. But DJ right now is coming off the board as a 21st running back and in average draft position. I, I think what we saw last year could be, you know, at the floor for him. Carlos Hyde came in 245 attempts. You know, there's as much as Duke Johnson looked like the better runner, they still refused to give him carries. And when you talk about David Johnson, obviously he has pass catching prowess. So if you're talking 240 attempts and, and a few, and obviously more catches than what Carlos Hyde had last year, and he finished just outside the top 24, you know, on a week to week basis, he's not he, Hyde never exploded, you know, but he was just a guy that you could consistently just plug in as a, you know, a solid low end RB two. I think Johnson has a little bit more upside than that. He's not somebody again that I'm that I'm targeting per se. I don't think can make the jump inside the top ten, but I do think there is a gap at the running back position somewhere from that you know, around 10 to 11 down, pretty much almost down to RB 20. And, and Johnson's right there at the back end of that list for me. So he's somebody that if I end up with on my team, you know, I, I like the upside. I like the fact that he has a clear path to opportunity. And as long as he's, you know, 80, 85%, you know, as far as what he was um, in Arizona, then I, I think you're ended up with a, a solid low end RB two. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I believe David Johnson, I, I'll kind of be more, hotter on David Johnson just because the fact that you said like Carlos Hyde they, the Houston running backs they get they get rushing attempts what they do with it is beyond me the, just because <laughs> the play Collins kind of surge at sometimes too but I think like Deshaun, Jack, uh, Deshaun Watson would make him a bet he'll open up some running lanes for him he'll be a little bit more efficient like yeah he's a, maybe one step slower but still like he's is a quality running back he's way better than Duke Johnson he's way better than Carlos Hyde uh, he's not worth DeAndre Hopkins, but you know, I still think there's something to be had there, and especially like given his like he's in a round four right now, like ADP, probably around like pick 42, 45 ish, and you can get him as your RB two and walk away feeling happy and swing back around and probably get like an, another run back if you want, or just another set of receivers. So I think he's perfectly fit in drafts right now, just like Kyle said. Yeah, no. I like David Johnson this year still. I think he has an opportunity. I know people are talking about, well, Deshaun Watson doesn't throw to the RBs, blah, 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 in between. But, like, again, he's going to see the majority of the carries. Duke Johnson's not going to see a big carry load. He's never really seen a big carry load in his career. 
And you saw last year, Sean Watson threw the ball, at least targeted David Duke Johnson 50-some times. I mean, David Johnson, I think, is just a notch better as a receiver, I think, overall. And why would you throw it to the running backs when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins down the field? Why not just throw it up to him? Because he's going to catch the ball. We don't have that no more. And I think you take the safer route with Watson to throw to a guy like David Johnson. And honestly, in a full PPR league, if I kind of take him over in a running a wide receiver approach early on, um, if I get David Johnson as my RB2, I'm not really going to be mad. I, I think he, as long as he stays healthy, that's the big thing. Obviously, health is a major concern with him. But if he stays healthy, I don't see why he can't be at least a, his production, at least. We'll see in the opportunity. He'll see at least a, an RB2 number, a top 25 season, and maybe a top 20 season if he gets enough uh, targets in the passing game. So, again, this team, the defense isn't the best. I think they're going to be high in a little bit in games. Watson's going to have to throw the ball a little bit. He's going to probably be pressured at times, dump it off to David Johnson. They let David Johnson do what he used to be able to do. Um, so uh, if you get him as your RB2, I wouldn't be disappointed, but I wouldn't be super thrilled either, though, guys. So just keep that in mind. I think he has a shot as a, as a guy who can kind of see a top 20 performance and bounce back. Maybe not to a 2016 performance, but at least be somewhat respectable like he was in 2018 at least. So. And talking about another comeback player on this Houston team, uh, Brandon Cooks got traded uh, from the Rams to the Houston Texans to make up for DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, we have obviously know that Brandon Cooks has been dealing with concussion injury, concussion injury, concussion injury over his career. And now he's back and he only has only missed like two games in his career. So injury, he's not going to, he hasn't been out a lot of games. Um, can Brandon Cooks kind of thrive in this uh, Houston-like offense there, Kyle? Dude, I I love Brandon Cooks. He's one of my favorite uh, mid round values right now. I think he's just he's going incredibly late. He's going right now wide receiver thirty six uh, in ADP, which is just criminal in my opinion. I think you're looking at an offense that just shipped out their their number one alpha receiver who had 150 targets last year, and that was the that was the lowest number that he's had in like five seasons. So, do I think that Cook Brandon Cooks is a 150 target receiver? No, he's never been that over the course of his career. He settles in right about 120, but you can pencil him in usually. Then, if you get him 120 targets, thousand yards, you know, six to seven touchdowns, and the fact that he's going so late right now, middle of the seventh round. I mean, he's a guy that I'm targeting in every single draft, even in dynasty leagues. He's still super young, so I was getting him a bunch. But in redraft. If he holds right now in the in the in the as a seventh round pick, I'm fine with him even as my wide receiver too. I don't think there's anybody else in this receiving room that is as good as Brandon Cooks. I don't think there's this, anybody in this receiving room that's really a threat to him being the number one guy. And there's just like I said, there's just so much to go around. I'm picking Brandon Cooks up everywhere I can, and if I can pencil him in as my seventh round pick, my wide receiver too, I'm good with that. I'll go RB heavy and 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 feel perfectly fine with Cooks. Oh, talk that shit, Kyle. I agree <laughs> with you, buddy. Freaking Brandon Cooks has basically been like, besides last year, has been like a top twelve wide receiver almost, like give or take. And that's a strong wide receiver too. I'll, oh my god! And like this criminal, like you said, pick seventy, dude. Like I'm, I'm really down with it. And like you said, Will Fuller's on the team. Kenny, will he stay healthy? Will he last a couple games? Will he last the duration of the season? We don't know. Then you have Kiki Kuti. He kind of has the same problems, but he's inspiring. Kenny Stills just got arrested. The Texans are a problem, like, guys. And then besides that, you have a bunch of rookies and Randall Cobb. So I still think Brandon Cooks is going to make some hay. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. If Brandon Cooks gets 60% of uh, DeAndre Hopkins' targets and Randall Cobb gets the other 40, 
you're still getting a quality receiver no matter what. You're drafting DeAndre, I mean, um, Deshaun Watson as a QB 6-7 in that range. Someone's got to pan out. Yeah, I mean, you're getting him as your RB, your wide receiver, not RB, wide receiver three, even four. I mean, you, you really can't go wrong. I mean, the thing that happened with Cook last year is obviously the injuries was a big concern. But the fact that, you know, Judge, I can't think of the guy's name right now, <laughs> Jarek Goff, I mean, he went from 71 deep ball attempts to just 54 this past season. So, you know, Brandon Cooks is that deep ball guy. I mean, we've seen Deshaun Watson throw the ball deep constant times to Will Fuller down the field I mean just Watson just has that deep ball in his game and I think that will mix very well with Brandon Cooks and what he's able to do Brandon Cooks has had fantastic quarterbacks over his career minus Jared Goff Jibs um but this is the guy again you're getting in the third round he's put up a thousand yard seasons multiple times in his career uh you really can't you can't go wrong with a guy like this and team that's going to be probably passing the ball more often than not because they're probably going to be have to play catch up a little bit or they're going to be in somewhat of a shootout or they're going to have a great matchup like they would they have what jacksonville in the division they're going to be playing them twice a year now um brandon cooks is just a as a great talent a deep threat kind of guy you can get again as your wide receiver three so don't be hesitant to draft a guy like that in fantasy this year here he should be able to bounce back uh going over to the next teams though it's Baker Mayfield and uh, Odell Beckham, uh, both guys who many people thought this was going to be a fantastic Browns team this year, top-notch, everything. Well, that did not happen. Uh, Baker Mayfield somewhat regressed overall in his stats, didn't see the same kind of workload under that Freddie Kitchen offense, and now he gets a new head coach. And, again, he's got a run-first mentality to him, but Baker Mayfield you know, is an accurate quarterback, and... You know, he's going to his third season now. There's a chance for a comeback. Kyle, do you believe there's a chance for a comeback for Baker? Yeah, I think, you know, again, he's kind of like the quarterback version of Juju Smith-Schuster when you look at just from a dynasty perspective. Like, the guy was at the top of the world a year ago, and now (laughs) nobody wants him. Like, I picked him up in a couple startups. He was just so cheap. And we're talking about redraft for 2020. He's still, right now, ADP is just outside the top 12. Um, You know, I think, for me, the concern I have is, like, like you said, is Stefan- Kevin Stefanski, new head coach coming in, is he going to be run first? He has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So, and that, I mean, that wouldn't really deter you from continuing to run the ball. Stefanski has been with Minnesota. I actually wrote an article on this, on looking at Kevin Stefanski. He's been with the Vikings forever. He was with the, uh, with the Vikings when Brett Favre was their quarterback. So he's been through a lot of different coaching changes. He's been through the high-flying offense. And then he when he got promoted to interim OC after the Vikings moved on late in the 2018 season, is that he knew what he had to do. He It was either you run the damn ball or you're gone. That was pretty much what he they did to his predecessor. It's what he had to do to keep his job. Then he had uh, Gary Kubiak in his ear making sure that they ran the ball, and that's what they did. So is who is the real Kevin Stefanski? Is, it, is he what we saw last year and what he had to do in order to keep his job and, and you know keep good cred with, with Zimmer? Or is he a guy that will open up the offense a little bit more? But if, if the concern is that he is a run-first uh, head coach and a, call, a play caller. Minnesota was fourth in rush percentage last year in the NFL. Kirk Cousins just threw the ball 29 attempts per game. That is a concern for me as far as the upside goes with Baker Mayfield. So for me, he actually slides down a little bit even behind the Big Ben group. If I add him as a, if I take two QBs in a one QB league and I, and I want to you know take the shot on Baker bouncing back because his weapons are unbelievable, I, I totally get that story. But I just don't think he's going to be in a you know, in an offense that throws the ball 
even you know 550 times might be the might be the absolute cap for Baker. So for Dynasty, I love the fact that he's his value is super cheap. But for redraft, he's just outside of that group for me. I wouldn't really want him as my QB one. I think I'd be okay with Lamar as a QB two type. Yeah, I remember when I did my first Dynasty draft, he was QB five, and now when we did their super uh, flex draft, he was just like you got to search for him. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, for Baker Mayfield, like I just want to like highlight what the Browns did like in their um, free agency and their draft this year, because last year he looked like he just couldn't stay in the pocket. He was so skittish; he was always rolling right. He couldn't get down the field to Odell Beckham. You saw how much Jarvis Landry and um, some of his like intermediate targets benefited from that. So for Baker Mayfield, they did it. I mean, for, for Baker Mayfield, they did get some offensive line improvement. I think that would definitely help him be more consistent in the passing game for what that is. Like Kyle explained, that could be maybe not. Like, it could be like Minnesota Vikings West or East. But at the end of the day, I still believe that Baker Mayfield can do significant improvements and maybe take a step up and kind of like shut the haters up, I guess. But he kind of puts that on himself anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really high on Baker in in the sense that he's going to be a guy who's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I just don't see that happening this coming season. Maybe, again, in Dynasty, he might be a more of an attractive option down the road that he can kind of like build and regain that confidence that he, that he had early on in his career. I know he's still young, but I really do believe they're going to try to run the ball early on. I mean, you have two premier top-tier running backs. You have to use them in the run game. You have to run the ball. You saw everything they did with the offensive line uh, build-up. You know, they bring in Austin Hooper, who's a fantastic blocker. Um, You just have to assume that Baker may not be a big fantasy stud, but he'll see better fantasy numbers from him. Not fantasy numbers, but NFL numbers from him. I mean, he started Kirk Cousins last year, kind of a guy who was – you know, not very accurate, kind of turned to more of an accurate quarterback, less, you know, less interceptions, not as many touchdowns, but he was just more accurate on the throws he made, very efficient quarterback, and I think you're going to see something like that out of Baker Mayfield this coming season. Uh, you know, he may have a couple games here and there, probably a guy who's a better backup quarterback for your your fantasy teams, definitely a guy you want to use on certain weeks where he's playing a, a, the right teams, uh, but I wouldn't use him as a guy you're expecting to make a big bounce back half a top 10 season. I just don't see that out of Baker, even with the weapons he has. I think he's just going to be an efficient quarterback, and they're going to try to get the job done through the run game. So don't go and just, I think, overdraft him. If you get him the double digits, perfect. That's where he should go. But don't go try to draft him in round like seven or eight, thinking he's going to really make that big bounce back. I just don't see it. Yep. And going over to the next guy here, someone else who was in his draft class, which I keep always forgetting that he was. Um, Sam Donald. Uh, Sam Donald last year had a deal with uh, Childhood Mono. Uh, saw some ghosts <laughs> during the season. Uh, you know, he just didn't have, and he obviously has Adam Gase, so that's already enough set before the season even started. But uh, end up pretty had a pretty strong near the end of the season kind of games. Uh, you know, third, fourth, third year now. Can we see a, Can is, th- is this it for Sam Donald? Can we see him really make a big impact in fantasy? Not, not for me, man. He won't be doing it on my team. I mean, maybe if I scoop him off the wire, but I just it, there's pretty much uh, one reason in which I'm not trusting uh, my fantasy hopes with Sam Darnold, and that's the man behind him, 
Adam Gase. I'm sorry. There's just there's nothing that really inspired me last season at any point. I, uh, it was unfortunate that he did have the bump in the road in the middle of the season and really just shot their whole year. Um, you know, again, I think when you're talking dynasty, has different different uh, perspective. I still have the trust that after the 2020 season, if he can get free. Um, is that I like his upside still. He's still super young. But for 2020, you're looking at an offense that lost Robbie Anderson. They added Brashard Perriman, who played, what, three good games with Jameis Winston. Um, they added Denzel Mims, who I like. But I still think this is an offense that needs more firepower. And 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 on top of the fact that I'm just – I don't trust this scheme. So for me, I, I do think that um, he's somebody that is interesting as far as if you're in a super flex league, his value is super late. If he's my QB2 there, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, just to see, obviously you got to probably pair up another him with another QB, um, take that QB three earlier on, but in one QB leagues, definitely not. He's just not somebody that really piques my interest basically because the weapons around him don't inspire me. The system is a little bit rough. So somebody like Baker, who I kind of poo pooed a little bit a second ago, at least he has just amazing weapons. Everybody on that Cleveland offense is better than anything the jets have. So it's definitely, it has to do with the players around you too. And Darnold just doesn't have it. Oh, Jibs, I know you love Sam Donald, man. Tell us, <laughs> tell us about Sam. Sorry, bro. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love Sam Donald. Secret I'm a Jets believer, fan. but I agree 100% with Kyle. Like, the, the Jets' offensive weapons are not cutting it. Like, I'm not trusting Prashard Perriman, Jameson Crowder, Denzel Mims, Chris Herndon when he's available, and then Ryan Griffin. Like, that's, that's lackluster. Sam Darnold's been the QB like 27 the last two years, rookie season, and then I guess the mono plague season. So like what I believe is like upside of maybe like 20 or 18 in that range. That's not cutting it for fantasy football. Dynasty, you just keep holding on to him. Like that 2018 NFL QB class is looking pretty overwhelming besides Josh Allen and like the fantasy community. But hey. At the end of the day, he's going to be a fancy quarterback. He will have value in, obviously, deeper leagues, superflex, and two QB leagues. But you kind of want to stay away because Adam Gase is a mystery bag, and you don't want to be in that bag. He <laughs> sold he did the Le'Veon Bell. He's a douche. But, no, you're attached, <laughs> yes. to, you're attached to Adam Gase, you're not going to be good. He's had just one top 20 fantasy quarterback as a head coach. Uh, the Miami team had talent, just kind of similar to what the Jets have now. Uh, I don't see much of a difference. I think Sam Donald is a guy who can work in the NFL. I think he can be successful, but Adam Gase just doesn't know what he's doing half the time here with what he's got as an offensive team. I think the best thing is that if Adam Gase gets fired at some point, maybe then Sam Donald sees some kind of action. They might let Sam Donald just do what he wants to do and then be successful that way in fantasy. But until that happens, you really can't draft him with confidence as as a quarterback one with the roster he has there. I mean... Yeah, if you want to get him as your backup and see what he does, sure, great. I'm not a guy who always drafts two quarterbacks, but um, he just doesn't do it. And the weapons around him aren't strong enough to support him, I think, in the long term. And we saw when he played some teams, he played some pretty easy teams down the stretch there, but he put up those big fantasy points. I don't know how he's going to really do against tougher defenders. I just don't see him really being able to get past that to be a big top-end fantasy quarterback. So it's a guy you you got to fade on a little bit, guys, at least this season. So, and uh, let's go over to the next group here. Um, we're going to talk about the Lions now, and it's Matthew Stafford and TJ Hawkinson, both guys who have tremendous talent, but unfortunately both got hurt. And we'll talk about Stafford first. This is a guy, I mean, early on, he was on a pace to break 
I think, all his career records at that point. And then he gets hurt, I believe, in week eight, week nine, and out for the season with his back injury. And now he's supposed to be coming back and healthy. And can we really see Matthew Stafford as a guy that could be a sneaky quarterback one for your fantasy teams that you could get, again, in the double-digit rounds there, Kyle? Yeah, I like Stafford a lot. I mean, obviously, it, it was it's a it's a family fantasy analyst wet dream when when Stafford goes down at eight games. We're like, oh, I just have to multiply all these numbers by two, and that's what he would be. Like, you, you can't do that, right? He's not going to be five thousand yards and thirty eight touchdowns. But what shouldn't be missed is eight point six yards per attempt. That was his career high. And when Daryl Bevel came in, everybody just you know, hated that move because like now they're just going to run the ball. And it was the complete opposite. And, you know, signing John or drafting DeAndre Swift is a nice move. I like the fact anything added to this offense uh, talent wise is going to help Stafford. You know, they didn't really add anybody else in the receiving game. Uh, But I I still think Stafford is somebody that you can, you can draft relatively late. I do think he, he's a top 12 quarterback for me. Uh, So he is somebody that I generally target. You know, I don't want to, I never reach for quarterbacks in one QB leagues. Nobody should really do that. But Currently, right now, Stafford's being drafted as the quarterback 13 um, off the board. If somebody's worried about the fact that they let him down last year, or only he, you know, he was injured, you know, back injuries aren't anything to play with. But this is the first time he's missed significant time really over the course of his career. He's 16 games usually every single season, so I like him a lot. I'm going to bet on him. He's going to be a guy that I probably end up with as my starter more often than not, just because of the price tag matches up to you know where I'm usually looking for my quarterback. Um, so I dig it a lot, man. Matthew Stafford, he's, he's one of my favorites. And as long as he's there um, at a reasonable price, he's going to be on my team. For sure. He just wakes up, walks out of bed, throws 4,000 yards like it's nothing. <laughs> Matt Stafford's like been a perennial. He's been beyond. He's probably like average, maybe like the top or nine quarterback at least over like the last decade or so. And like you said, like, they have established weapons out there better than Sam Darnold's crap in uh, New York or whatever you want to call it, New Jersey, actually. But Matt Stafford has Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Mr. Reliable. We'll get to TJ Hawkinson. And I just believe they got a shiny new toy in DeAndre Swift. I just believe Matt Stafford is just a quality quarterback. Like Usually I try to shoot for like those little breakout quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes the last couple of years. But Steve usually, Coach Steve usually – Speaks me to the punch on Matt Stafford, but he's someone like I always would trust because I just think he will give you at least near that 30 range in touchdowns and just the passing volume upside. Yeah, he's he's a guy who's averaged about you know a top 12 quarterback fantasy at least over his entire career. He's been a top 12 guy most of his career. Again, he's had a couple back issues. You know, I, the reports are that he's, he's healthy, he's ready to go this season. He's got probably one of his best core players around him now this coming season, especially a, a run game I think will help him in the long run. Uh, people think you know, they're going to run the ball more. Maybe they run the ball a little bit more, but I think that just helps the defense over, helps them on offense overall to kind of keep the defense on their toes that they're not going to pass the ball constantly. And Matthew Stafford has just been a fantastic quarterback, and this, this is Matt Patricia's last, probably his last season, just like Adam Gates. Uh, they're going to probably try to do what they do best, give it to the do it, give it to their best player. Matthew Stafford is probably their best player on their team for the most part, and let him throw the ball, let him just sling it. He was doing so good. I mean, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions through those eight games. He was on a record pace. Again, we don't want to talk about you know what he would have done in the second half of the season, but. This is a guy who's just going to continue to air the ball out. The defense is is mediocre at best, and they're in a division where they're going to have to probably try to play catch-up behind some of these teams here. Um, and 
Matthew Stafford, he's a guy you want to grab in the double digits. If you want to wait on the quarterback, he's a perfect guy to go out and grab because he's going to put up big fantasy numbers with Kenny Galladay, Hawkinson, Marvin Jones, Swift now. He's got weapons around him, and he's going to be able to do it this coming season, guys. So uh, Matthew Stafford is definitely a guy you want to talk in those double digits because he's going to put up big numbers. You want to know one thing that I found funny about Matt Stafford with those like stats, too? Like He only played... Um I believe his divisional games were the Green Bay and Minnesota, like once. But if he would have had to go to the gauntlet with Chicago, I think some of those numbers would have kind of went down. Just like as Kyle said, you can't just like multiply it by two. But still, I think he would have still had an outstanding year. Mm-hmm. He does have Chicago week one, so just be careful of that. If you're going to take Matthew Stafford, there you go. grab somebody else too, just in case. Maybe like a Tyrod Taylor who was playing Cincinnati week one, throw in Tyrod and then start Matthew Stafford glory the rest of the season so keep that in mind nice. guys um going over to his teammate tj hawkinson a guy who was drafted from the top 10 in the 2019 draft and tremendous tight end you know can do it all blocking receiving catching and he sure showed us week one that he was a, a fantastic tight end over 100 yards two touchdowns against of course unfortunately the arizona cardinals who we all know as the season went on was the worst team against the tight end last year but again didn't really do much after that uh, very inefficient with his catches. He gets hurt halfway through the season, out for the year. Can TJ Hawkinson be a guy who bounces back? Because he isn't a guy who many people are talking about. It's all about the no fonts right now and Kasekis and Higbees and people like that right now. Hawkinson seems to be kind of lost. Can he be someone who kind of jumps into maybe a tight end one season? Yeah, he's definitely somebody that uh, is getting frowned about a little bit. The draft capital is obviously there. He didn't see a ton of targets last season. Outside that first game, we know the numbers weren't there, but he really didn't get the opportunity we would have hoped for. Five or less targets in seven of his 12 games that he played. The good thing is they didn't add really anybody of note there. They added Geronimo Allison uh, to their wide receiver group, um, and they and they brought back uh, Amendola and things. But outside of that, you know, there's there's targets to be had in this offense, I think. The problem is, is that Hawkinson, if he start, if he's going like as the first tight end outside of that, you know, nine to twelve, t- you know, range of tight ends, I don't really like that. You know, I don't think I don't like him a lot, you know, much more than like the Johnu Smiths or Ian Thomas or Blake Jarwin, like those guys that you've obviously just punted the position. You know, so if Hawkinson's your guy there, I'm fine with it. But usually, if you've waited that long, I'm committed to just taking literally the last guy. Um, so. You know, I don't mind if Hawkins is my my tight end to start the season if I punted it that far. But this is also a year that I think there are some interesting names when you talk about that range of the six through twelve. You know, I think with you know Gasicki and and Hurst is making his way in there based off the targets that he might see. Even Hooper has fallen down. You know, based off the fact that it's a crowded place, but he's proven that he can. You know, he's a reliable pass catcher enough that you know he deserves to probably be up there. So for me, Hawkinson is just that, you know, as long as he's not the top guy in that back end tier of tight ends, I don't mind taking a shot on him, but the name might, might bump him up a little bit more. You know, the, the novice players might not be looking at like an Ian Thomas, who is somebody I really like, or even a Johnny Smith. Um, and I think they're kind of in the same tier as Hawkinson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spectacular. But uh, for Hawkinson, for me, like, yeah, he could be a, a tight end one, but to Kyle's point, like you could just keep going down the list and try to hope you hit on someone else. There's plenty of talent. I think tight end is actually pretty deep. I'm usually a guy who wants to uh, get a quality one and just forget about it later. But I think like you could find the established tight end really late, just like wide receiver in this year's draft. But the one thing I want to see TJ Hawkinson and the Lions improve on is like his 
pretty much his average yard of target. I feel like besides that week one game, he was just catching balls near the line of scrimmage, and he's not like a blazer out there. He's not going to just explode and then like break and get some yards after carry. So I, I want to see him get some more deeper targets, and that can kind of help. But we also did see him get a lot of red zone attempts. He didn't catch the ball. Yeah, a couple of drops. He has to work on that. But, like, we did see uh, some flashes there. And I think, like, he could be a a quality tight end that you could find late in drafts. But I'd rather, like Kyle said, I'd rather try to get some other players or find my, like, nice Travis Kelsey or shiny George Kittle. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, the fact that he showed us that he can put a big performance like that, that's something that catches your eye. We, we've seen, obviously, a guy like Jesse James do it, like, what, two years ago for the Lions and was like, oh, my God. But, like, uh, Hawkinson is a younger guy. He, I think he has a lot of talent, obviously, much more than Jesse James. So he has an opportunity to really do bound, kind of bounce back. I mean, he had a 54% catch rate. That's not good. You have to work on that. Again, he was a rookie. Tight ends usually take time to kind of develop. And I think he's in the right offense to really see that passing volume because after I said outside of Galladay and Marvin Jones, there's really no one else that really threatens him that much. I mean, Emmanuel had a decent season. Uh, Swift will get some car- catches, but I mean, I, this is Hawkinson's chance to really see third target numbers here, and it just involves him getting the ball more. And like Jib said, get him down the field a little bit more, open him up a little bit. Don't keep him at the line of scrimmage. Let him do things down the field. That's his bread and butter he's not a guy who's gonna beat you with the speed he's gonna beat you just by being down the field being a mismatch and catch the ball and he just got he has to work on that and if you're gonna draft him this year to be honest me personally if i probably end up drafting him somewhere at some point depending on where i'm at in my draft i would always try to grab somebody else if i know my tight end situation is kind of so so i always try to grab two tight ends because at least one of them hopefully like if you grab a jonah smith and tj hawkinson i'd be pretty happy with that because either one of them are going to break out hopefully and you just get rid of the rest and that's what it is so uh, hawkinson is a guy you definitely don't want to not draft if you're in the right opportunity but that don't overdraft he's definitely a guy you want to take much later in drafts now than his stock was shown last year so and going over to the last one of the night we want to start with and end with Adam Thielen, guys. Adam Thielen, we all know, 2018, dominant. Like, I think he had seven, eight straight 100-yard games. He was just pure dominance. Comes in this year, honestly has a pretty good start of the season, and then gets hurt out for about, you know, since it was five weeks, six weeks. Kind of was limited the rest of the season, and then you kind of saw him really show back up big in the playoffs. Um, is Adam Thielen a good-to-go being the pretty much the clear wide receiver one now for this Vikings team? Man, man. This is the one I'm probably the most down on out of anybody you know we've talked about, especially when you can when you bring in the fact that where you have to the price you have to pay for him right now. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get drawn to the fact that you know he's the he's now the guy there in that Vikings offense. Now they moved on from Stefan Diggs. You know they spent a first round draft pick on Justin Jefferson, but the overarching uh, narrative I guess for rookies will just be you know clearly that they don't have the time with the team, so it might take more you know more time for him to come in. You're right, though. I mean, Thielen, you know, even though he only played the 10 games, six touchdowns, that's impressive. You know, definitely flashed last season. But, m- again, my, my concern is just how much this team is going to throw the ball. Uh, they kept Gary Kubiak. He's going to be their OC now. They clearly want to be a run-first team. I mentioned, I alluded to it a little bit with Stefanski, but when you look at this team over the last couple seasons is that uh, in 2018, like you said, monster year, Thielen had just under 10 targets a game. And then in 2019, in just his 10 games, he had under five targets a game. So Stefan Diggs, even being the number one in this offense last year, 
was under 100 targets. And I just think that if you're drafting a wide receiver, which right now in ADP, he's going inside the, he's going just inside the top 12. To me, that I need a guy that's in a much more high-powered offense, a team that's going to throw the ball, you know, closer to to 600 times. Um, when in 2018, when Thielen was having a monster year, and John D. Filippo was the offensive coordinator, Cousins was throwing the ball 40 times a game. And then when they when they fired him after week, I believe it was 15, and those uh, in those 18 games with Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator, Cousins threw the ball 19 times a game and that's just there's not enough to go around so i really liked when i was putting Thielen in my rankings i was like man i'm looking forward to seeing him be the number one guy there we've seen him before he's an established guy and he was somebody that i had ranked um closer to 20 and then when i saw his adp inside the top 12 i i'm like man i'm probably not going to own it one share of adam Thielen this year there are so many guys i like at this position i just feel like i'm probably going to go the opposite route, go a running back in that, t- in that scenario based off of the price tag I have to pay for Adam Thielen. So definitely some upside there should be the alpha, but unfortunately it's an offense. They'll throw the ball 450 times and that's just not, not, not going to be on my team. Uh, you got me as a swing voter now. Cause when I came in here, I was like, so forward. I was like, yeah, Adam Thielen, he has Stefan Diggs targets available. Kirk Cousins and him had like that beautiful connection. Like as you said, like his touchdown totals kind of prove that. I just feel like I was step on big zoner the last couple of years and it just hurt me to see Adam Thielen score after score after score. But he could be a low end wide receiver for you, like maybe at the year's end and like you could be fine with that, but I don't think he'll be consistent. Like I said a couple episodes before, I was like, Yeah, so what Jefferson Jefferson's a rookie I was like he's gonna be in the slot like you're not gonna be running like crazy routes you're gonna be like hey I'm going in front of Kirk Cousins throw me the ball so I feel like you get there's something to be had there later due to the fact and like right now Adam Thielen's probably going at the end of round three and I don't think I'll take him there but like if he falls a little bit later in the round four I think I could be justified. I could justify that pick, but still, kind of like Kyle said, it carries risk. You don't want to have like a a, a good wide receiver in the offense that's just like a, a run run plotting team. Obviously, you guys want a wide receiver who's in an offense with over six. <laughs> I want Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Anyone's attached to Pat Mahomes. Honestly, I was when I was doing my research on Thielen, I really like Thielen this year as a wide receiver too. Honestly, if you take the route, and this is might be the one year that's weird that you want to go running back heavy early on, if even if he's my wide receiver one, a little risky, wouldn't really recommend it per se, but I wouldn't be mad about it either. I mean, yes, the the pass attempts are down, obviously this past season. He had a deal, obviously, you know, when you have five when you have five attempts or less, five, five, five targets or less per game, you really don't want that. Again, he had a deal with Stefan Diggs being there. They were like a 1A, 1B scenario back in the day, you know, and now Diggs is gone. Now you have bring in Justin Jefferson. Again, he needs to learn the offense still. He's not in training camp, and this may, if it was different, if he was in training camp, I may say a little different about Thielen. But, again, he needs to learn getting the offense after that. I mean, Saj Sharp. Obi Johnson, I mean, these guys are, you know, mediocre at best. I don't see them being a guy who steps up to see a big target load. The tight ends, yes, they're great. I just don't see both these guys seeing a big workload. It's either going to be eventually, you know, Smith or Rudolph. So that leaves Thielen. And Thielen and Diggs are different types of wide receivers. Diggs was the downfield stretcher, I think. And you saw that with 17 uh, 17 yards per reception last year, where Thielen kind of runs in the, like, 12 or 13 range. He isn't a big downfield threat like that. He's a slot guy, works in the middle of the field, 
And obviously, Kirk Cousins loves him. Again, didn't see it as much as we liked to last season, but I think that kind of bounces back. You have to assume that the passing attempts will have to go up from 444 to at least maybe close to the 500, and then you lose Diggs targets plus that possibility. Thielen, again, I think he's going to be able to see 130 targets this coming season. And if I get him as my wide receiver two in fantasy, I'm not going to be mad. Yes, third round's a little early. I'd rather get him in the fourth, but... Uh, he's definitely someone I'd still want to target as my wide receiver, too, because I think he's going to have a good season this year, as long as he can stay healthy, of course. Uh, but uh, that is the end of our episode today, guys. Um, we're leaving it, we're ending it there over an hour now, so we're going to end it there for the day, guys. Kyle, we really appreciate you jumping on today's show. This was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun today. Yeah, dude, this was this was this was a good time. I like some of these players, and you know, obviously, we're coming out of dynasty season, so all the younger players, rookies, get a lot of our attentions. But as as we're fo- as we're refocusing to twenty twenty and redraft leagues, you know, we got to take a look at some of these vets as well. Um, and I think these are some great guys to discuss. So I love the topic. I was I was definitely pumped to jump on here with you guys researching these players. I even adjusted some stuff on my end as well. You know. Um, so hopefully your listeners got a little bit out of this, but man, it was, it was a ton of fun chatting with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And let everyone know again where they can find you out on social media. Yeah. You can follow me at Kyle FF fellas on Twitter. Um, usually like, like I said, dropping at least one episode of my own podcast, the fancy football smackdown each week. Um, uh, but just jumping on anywhere I can, uh, writing for a few websites as well. So if you follow me on there, you usually see some, some fresh content a couple times a week. And like I said, hit me up anytime. I just, I just love uh, connecting with people, helping out any way you can uh, as we're getting closer and closer to drafts. So, uh, yeah, at Kyle FFL is on Twitter. Yeah, so, so guys, give him a follow. Check out the show. It's, it's really great, guys. So, um, and again, as always, go check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. Like I said, we have our rankings. We have articles up there. Our new guy, Joe, just put up a great uh, Carson Wentz Outlook article on the website so go check that out obviously we have our live streams up there these episodes a couple other things going on on the website the draft guide hopefully will be out by the end of july um, and again go follow us on twitter at coaches fantasy you can follow our instagram at the fantasy coaches you can follow me guys at coach Stephen p you can follow me at hot take Concho on twitter yeah so we appreciate you guys for tuning in today we'll be back next week to talk about late round gems so tune in for that until next time guys take care be safe and enjoy the rest of your guys' week. The bag is not far fed. We got a couple of claw cans. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered, it's nuts, it's legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up, Jack. I'm a head back, back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, go.